So I'm just curious, like, where you think this is heading? I mean, it sounded like earlier you were saying the legislators, when they do get onto this, feel like this is something very simple and doesn't have much downside to pursuing. But there's just, other than maybe what will be spurred by your actual recent column, people just aren't aware of it. So there's probably no outrage to fuel legislative efforts. But I just would like to think that at some point, more than eight states would ban this kind of practice. Um, I would too. Another thing I called on, though, I don't see any F, any sign of it occurring, is you know, congressional action would also knock this out and put an end to it. Yeah. Um, and again, as I said, there's no reason not to go for it. It's pretty popular cause. Like nobody thinks you should be leasing your dog. So yeah, but that's why I guess in ways that are similar, you and I both kind of like figured, hey, this was kind of going away of its own accord, and that was wrong. And, yeah, uh, unfortunately. So yeah. so when uh, just to elaborate a bit more on, so if people are having trouble making their payments, which in all kinds of purchases, lease to buy purchases, that does happen. Now you say the company are saying, hey, we've never repossessed an animal. But really, what what leverage would they have otherwise if people weren't making their payments on their dog? Well, it's the the usual, right? You know, we'll threaten your credit reports. We can, um, you know, we can, you know, ding your credit score, which is usually a pretty potent threat for people, by the way. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it is a way of getting paid. Um, And it's sort of shocking. This just has continued onward. Yeah. And um, how often did you find in the course of preparing your piece, are cats purchased this way? Um, I heard about a few cats, but it seemed most common with dogs, which totally makes sense because those are generally the most expensive animals in a pet store. And that's generally the animal, unless you're looking at a very specialized breed of cat, you know, whereas a lot of pet stores you know, charge ridiculous amounts for um, puppy mill dogs, basically. See, that's the other reason I guess I just didn't think this would still be going on because there's so many local, regional and other kinds of ordinances being passed to rule out puppy mill dogs being sold or almost any animals being sold at pet stores. So the idea that you could get yourself a big pricey dog at a pet store that you would only get by this leasing arrangement, again, just didn't just didn't register with me. I, I think that is true for all of us. It, I, I still remember my shock when I first heard about it years ago. It, it was just sort of an unbelievable story. Um, and it, you know, and it came, by the way, from a company that was in the leasing business. It was doing other leasing as well, too. I mean. So they expanded into dogs from whatever else they had been doing. Right, Wow. And is that the company that then folded? I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So you did mention earlier in the show, which I appreciate that your understanding is that Florida, I think I've seen some reference to that as well, that may be introducing this kind of legislation. Did you get a sense while working on the piece that there are some other states uh, beyond the current eight that do uh, have plans to uh, try to enact a ban? On there was another state besides Florida that had had legislation, but I, I'm embarrassed to say I'm blanking on who it what, what state it was. I got um, I mean, it just seems to be an under the radar issue, um, which makes sense because it's so odd in a yeah. certain way. I mean, who thinks about this, right? And it's, um, you know, when I reached out, the, the Federal Trade Commission has, you know, issued warnings saying if you if you're doing this, 
you know, you do have to, if you're the pet store, right? You do have to tell people they're actually leasing it out, right? Because it, it, it's not actually illegal to do it. I actually reached out to the CFPB as well, and they were they never got back to me with a comment, though they were stunned to hear about it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, I just think that no, almost no matter who you are and what your point of view on animals and dogs and living with them and any kind of thing, I, I almost think you regardless across the board you'd have to be stunned by this even though now it's as you say it's been going on for a few years but it just seems incredible that it exists right i mean it, it, so it goes into this as i said at the beginning it kind of goes into this hole you know or a gap in the dog human relationship right it's literally what does it mean to own a dog and if it's property, can it be taken away from you? And uh, for what reason? And what responsibility do we have to living creatures that are not humans? Is it humane to lease an animal that is a companion app, right? I mean, and these are real interesting questions that like this sort of awful thing kind of bring, forces you to confront. Yeah, no, well, and again, I think if you're biased, which I think would probably be true of most people listening to this show, certainly people hosting this show, is that the only real way to go is adopt, uh, adopting an animal, adopt, don't shop, the, the phrase goes. So this takes even just the idea of buying it from a breeder, from a more conventional pet store transaction, if there is such a thing still exists, or whatever, to such a new, crazy-seeming height that, that, again, it's just hard to wrap your noggin around it. It, it really, really was. It was it was really something else. And so along the way, as you were working on the piece, were you thinking, well, I thought I was surprised by the last thing I just found in my reporting, but this thing trumps that. Um, you know, I, I'm surprised by so much. I always say I'm cynical and not cynical enough. Um, and I think this story kind of fell into that one where yeah. it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And what kind of, I mean, I saw obviously some of the comments uh, online, but what, how would you characterize the re reaction that the pieces uh, generated? Oh, tell me about the comments. I didn't look at them. Well, just I think some were along the lines of what we're talking about, which is like, how does this exist? How is this possible? What's going through the people in mind who are paying that kind of money for a dog when so many dogs you know, just at the local shelter or whatever need a home? I mean, things like that. And I think how many there, there seemed like there was a good number. So. Uh, I'm sure there was quite a, an array of responses, but um, I just was curious if you had heard from people uh, more directly in, re in response to the piece. I think I got a couple of emails, but nothing very dramatic. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I will say, I mean, and I do believe this, you know, I think it's good to adopt animals from the shelter. Yeah. You know, I think it's also fine if people want to, you know, get dogs other ways. I, I should say that I'm not, I'm not a purist this way. And, but what I would say is that you need to be, you know, open about how much it's going to cost, whether it's worth it, and, you know, acknowledge the fact that there are other ways to get animals, but also just be upfront with people about their actual terms if they're borrowing money. And that's, you know, whether they're borrowing money, you know, at the vet, you know, or at the, you know, or at a pet store, um, you know, because animals do cost money even after you have, right? Right. And I and I think so. I think that's very important. Yeah, and I think I, I totally understand what you're saying, and and I think for a lot of people there over the years who let's say want or feel like they need a certain breed, you know, through Pet Finder and other ways, there there are ways to still get a specific breed that you want for your family or you need for your family in whatever way that 
that is defined that still enables those animals to be adopted. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be people who are going to be buying animals from a breeder, from a store, from other means. And um, but I think even many of those people would be uh, a little little taken aback to <laughs> hear about this side of how to, purchasing a dog can go. Uh, right. I, what I would say is, you know. However you get your your dog, you should know the terms under which you are getting it. And you shouldn't be, you know, you know, bamboozled into leasing an animal. Yeah, well, that's the fact that, I mean, you've made the point a couple of times, which is important and often works against all kinds of other animals, that they are considered property. But this kind of, in this equation, it really seems, you know, even more unfortunate that that's, that's the definition. Because, yeah, you, it is just like, as you, I think you noted it's like renting a car or, or something where it really is so far from an animal that you think, how can this be the same set of terms be applied here? And uh, and and the reaction, I think, ultimately is that for most of us, that really couldn't be. But I guess people are so intent on that particular designer breed or whatever it might be that they just say, well, if that's what it takes for me to take this dog home, that, where do I sign? I actually think it goes a bit more than that. I mean, the way pet stores prosper is you know, people fall in love with the animal itself at the store. Um, you know, puppies are adorable. We all know that. Um, you know, in some cases, I've known people actually to get the dog out of there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I think that that's an important factor here, too. But the fact is, is that they're playing off the love people have for their dogs. And people don't often realize the vast industry that is behind pets in the pet store. Um, I, I mean, I just don't think most people really engage on that sort of level with it. Yeah. And so they don't realize this very cute little dog in, you know, the Florida window is might have come from some heinous place in the Midwest where, you know, the animals are just being kept in terrible, terrible conditions and was taken away from its mother way too soon and is less than healthy, right? Yeah. People just don't really engage on that level with it. Yeah. They just, you know, sometimes their kids walk by and they fall in love with the animal. And it's, you know, and this and the leasing really developed is yet another way to take advantage of people in that situation. Yeah. Um, I've written in the past about it, about the move to, you know, ban pet stores from offering dogs from puppy mills, which I actually think is a very good thing and should be expanded upon. For sure. I, I totally agree. Well, Helene, we've just about reached the end of our time together. This is uh, Talking Animals. I am Duncan Trust. My guest has been Washington Post opinion writer Helene Olin. And again, we're talking chiefly about the column she wrote most recently about the weird, to me at least, and others, world of renting pets, leasing pets. Uh, this conversation was recorded yesterday. Again, Helene's... Uh, my books include the index card and her website is helene it's h-e-l-a-i-n-e olen o-l-e-n dot com and of course you can find all her columns including the one we're discussing on the washington post website so helene thank you so much for joining us today on talking animals i really appreciate it thank you for having me on thank you my thanks again to helene Olin, both for writing the piece and for joining us on talking animals 
Hey, you know, you only have until noon, that's 15 minutes or thereabouts, to double your donation to WMNF through the Giving Challenge. WMNF is taking part in the special Giving Day sponsored by the Community Foundation of Sarasota County and the Patterson Foundation. Your donations up to $100 will be doubled. Go to givingchallenge.org and search for WMNF. That's givingchallenge.org. There's also more information or I think another way to get there as well through our own website, WMNF.org. Thank you. And I'd say it's time to hear an animal song. This is the Sun Society with their version of Octopus's Garden here on Talking Animals on WMNF. the Sun Society with Octopus's Garden from the Talking Animals Festival of uh, 10 years ago or so. So a band that no longer exists but sounding great at the time performing at an event that no longer exists which was uh, great at, at its time. So in a moment I'm going to speak with the uh, veterinarian Dr. Chris, Chris Learning who will fill us in on the All About Animals workshop he's leading this Saturday April 30th at Great Explorations Children's Museum in St. Petersburg. Right now though we're going to step into the comedy corner with a piece I took from Inside Amy Schumer perhaps fitting given our discussion of pet leasing just a moment ago with Elaine Olin. Uh, so it ties in in some ways for sure. So this is Doggy Daycare 
from Inside Amy Schumer in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. Bye, Addison. Have fun. Play nice. Okay, I left grass-fed bison with the woman at the front. That's all she can eat. First day dropping him off at daycare? Yeah. <laughs> I got him when he was 10 minutes old. I'm still breastfeeding him. Oh, I could never adopt a puppy. Absolutely not. Puppies get adopted so quickly. My Duke, he was 14 when I rescued him. His owners had just dropped him off at the shelter to die, and I was like, no, oh, man. You're coming with me. Oh, no. Mrs. Belvedere is a rescue from Hurricane Katrina. She was up on a roof with this little boy his parents had drowned, and I just thought, that little orphan boy can't take care of a dog. So I chopped her in and rescued her right off that roof. What happened to the boy? What boy? Duke lost his legs when a cop shot him in St. Louis. Um, yeah. See, my dog has severe body image issues. You should see how she sees herself. Well, Addison has advanced stage FOMO, fear of missing out. I had to completely take him off social media. It's, just, it's too stressful. Have you thought about medication? Because my rescue is on Prozac for anxiety. Yeah, and Duke is on Xanax for separation issues. Addie's on Beltrex because we share a prescription. But that is it for medication because family history of addiction. Well, I didn't get my guy vaccinated because Jenny McCarthy said it can cause potism. I followed her advice too. I got my dog a cat because pets make you live longer. Oh, yeah. She knows it all. There's nothing she doesn't know. Bye, quinoa. Oh, cute purebred. Yeah, what mold you got a room? Oh. <laughs> the Darfur Galleria. It's in the Sudan. He was a child dog soldier and was abandoned by the Bedouin militia when they found out he was gay. So, mm. I guess I did get him at a mall. Okay, Daisy, back at daycare. Um, is, oh. is your dog dead? Yeah. They just put her down at the pound about a month ago. And I was like, I'll take her. I was just doing what any hero would do, but she's my hero. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh. He has four legs. <laughs> right. I'm always like, who rescued who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my dog's like a person. That was a piece called Doggy Daycare, taken from the TV show Inside Amy Schumer in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals. Now it's time to speak with Dr. Learning about the All About Animals workshop he's leading this Saturday at Great Explorations Children's Museum in St. Petersburg. Here's Dr. Chris Learning on Talking Animals on WNF. Good morning, Dr. Learning. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. So uh, first, why don't you just tell us briefly about your day job, if, if we can call it that, as opposed to what you're doing on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So I am an associate veterinarian over at uh, Bayshore Animal Hospital and Avian Practice in St. Petersburg. Um, you know, I mostly see dogs and cats. So that's probably the bread and butter of what we usually see. Um, but we do have, uh, you know, the occasional reptile patients, a lot of avian patients that we see. Um, and that's, you know, kind of my passion moving forward. I, I, I have a real interest in exotic animal medicine and surgery. So that's kind of one of the my passions in life. That's why I'm hoping to take over to uh, teach the kids over on Saturday at, at Great Explorations Children's Museum. Well, that's great. So how did the idea for doing Doing the workshop uh, come about initially? Yeah, so I actually had the, the wonderful fortune of meeting uh, their CEO, Miss Angeline Howell. Uh, her daughter actually has a rabbit that she uh, brought over to me for evaluation and just kind of a general checkup. And during talking with her and, and kind of getting to know her, I found out that she was uh, the CEO over at Great Exploration. And I, you know, uh, was looking it up online afterwards, and it seemed like a very interesting, very uh, well-run uh, establishment, and and 
has a lot of good opportunities for kids to go and learn and everything. And I just wanted to see if I can reach out and, and be a part of that situation. So she was gracious enough to give me a full tour of the of the area. And they have some wonderful exhibits, including a full kind of mock veterinary hospital where the kids can take x-rays of stuffed animals and, and kind of learn about um, what it means to be a veterinarian. So I definitely wanted to be involved after at that point. And one of my uh, passions growing up as before I was a veterinarian, I was actually a uh, zookeeper at a local zoo in my hometown of Staten Island, New York. Um, and one of the things that we had to do is, um, uh, sorry, uh, we had to uh, give presentations in front of young kids about uh, different animal facts and how to handle them and how to kind of take care of them at home, which is one something that I wanted to uh, kind of repeat or keep going now that I'm a, a veterinarian and able to kind of uh, contribute to my new hometown, which is this uh, St. Petersburg. So it sounds like, uh, if I follow you, Dr. Learning, that you kind of had this surge just from your own history that you were looking for some way, somehow to kind of uh, execute, and then it was just sort of fortuitous, I guess, that you met the CEO and her daughter with the rabbit, and then yeah, kind of yeah. like that opportunities, those, those things kind of came together. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of always looking for a way to give back to the community, and I was kind of trying to figure out which way to do that. Um, and this kind of opportunity luckily kind of fell in my lap, and, and Miss Angeline Howell is a, a wonderful human being who will let me kind of get participating in, in her wonderful children's museum. So uh, the kind of stars aligned on this, and I'm yeah. very thankful and I'm very excited to, uh, you know, start this workshop, which is going to be uh, the first one is a Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock, um, and it's going to be teaching kids of all ages and, 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 and their parents about uh, essentially, you know, how to handle these exotic animals. It's going to focus mainly on exotic animal handling and, and learning facts about them and how to keep them as a pet and which uh, and how to mostly be safe about handling these animals and how they can hurt you, how they can how these kids can hurt them if they're not careful. So yeah. that's kind of my, my goal with this uh, workshop here. It's going to be an hour from on Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock. Um, thankfully or, or fortunately, it's already kind of filled up with, with participants, which is very exciting. Yeah. What I'm hoping moving forward is is to do this either monthly or bi-monthly based on uh, my schedule and the staff's schedule over at Great Exploration. So it's very exciting, and I'm very excited to kind of get this kind of ball rolling, and I'm hoping to kind of have future workshops open up for the rest of uh, the community as well. Yeah, well, clearly you hit on, I think, a, of course, a very appealing idea because it did fill up, but it sounds like one way or another what's just figuring out the scheduling that you're going to certainly try to offer more on, on a fairly regular basis. Uh, basis. And when you say uh, all ages, is there any kind of span that is sort of the target for folks to attend a workshop like this? So I would say uh, younger kids that have a passion about getting uh, new pets or learning about animals in general, yeah. so maybe about uh, ages 5 to 10 years old. Mm-hmm. If you're a little bit younger than that, then I worry that you're not uh, retaining any uh, most of the information that I'm trying to get past because I'm also while I'm teaching about facts and everything, and I have some fun animals that the kids can pet and touch. Um, what I'm really trying to hammer home is, is safety with these animals in terms of you know, handling them safely and, and not getting bit or scratched or poked or whatever these animals can do. Yeah. But also, uh, you know, the kids, showing the kids how to take care of them appropriately and, and making an enclosure and, and what it means to seek veterinary care for these animals. So, um, so ages, you know, the younger ages, I worry that's not, my, the message is not going to Not going to take hold, probably. Older, 
Yeah. Yeah, older children I probably is my my go-to audience, I would say. Sure, and it sounds like you're really, among other things, sort of fostering kind of a respect for, for animals and how they should be treated and just generally kind of... So will there, at the workshop, will there be some exotic animals as well, or is it mostly going to be sort of your dog, cat, rabbit kind of thing? Or So it's actually going to be mo- uh, uh, specifically exotic animals, so there won't be any dogs and cats. Okay. There will be uh, a varying uh, amount of reptiles, um, small animals, including guinea pigs and rabbits, um, and it will probably switch between each each workshop. Yeah. Um, but that is the general idea. It will be mo- it will be strictly exotic animals and okay. talking about those species. So that's I have, great. Uh, a, few, a few snakes they'll be bringing. Um, the Great Exploration does have a wonderful collection of their own kind of ambassador animals that uh, they are gracious enough to have, have let me borrow a few of them, including uh, some some lizards. That is a very nice uh, very nice addition to their collection, and um, so it'll be mostly based around those type of animals. And it's, uh, I guess there's a little bit of risk with the spitting cobra, but otherwise everything's pretty safe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one's going to have to stay in the cage. I'm sure, yeah. So I guess we, we should just urge people to um, keep an eye on the website for Great Explorations in St. Pete, which is simply greatx, greatex.org, to, um, because again, this one's filled this one this time around, but it sounds like there will be plans and announcements on that website for subsequent workshops that people then can sign up for um, and keep an eye out for to not miss that opportunity. Yep, absolutely. So I'll be working with uh, the, the staff over at Great Explorations, and uh, after this one is completed on Saturday, I'll be working with them to uh, definitely plan some future ones in the in the uh, next couple of months or so that uh, these listeners can, can sign up as soon as they become available. And one last quick thing before I let you go, Dr. Learning. I have to confess that when I read about this, I thought, well, this would be something cool to kind of highlight on the show, but I thought, I wonder what Dr. Learning's real name is. And I thought, it's just, you know, I just figured it was kind of an, an alias because it's a cool workshop where you're teaching kids, but in fact, your actual name is Dr. Learning. So I... Now, yeah, that's my uh, my birth name. Yeah. I've heard all the jokes of, of, of anything you can imagine. So. No, but that's, it's so fitting, I think. I think it's perfect. So it's great. So, so <laughs> yeah, Dr. Learning, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Animals and taking that time to teach the kids this Saturday and then subsequent uh, Saturdays. We'll keep an eye out for the next workshops and maybe try to announce those on the air when we know when those are. No problem. Thank you much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right, coming up on WF the Music kicks back in with Scott Elliott. He's back. Scott Elliott's back. We've been missing him. We've been enjoying Izzy, of course, but we've been really waiting for Scott Elliott's triumphant return, which happens momentarily here on WMNF with a glorious three hours of music, followed by Robin Hooper with yet another three hours of music, and we just keep the music coming as we roll into our block of Latin programming and beyond. So we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. I invite you to join me next Wednesday when we'll offer another edition of Course. I just want to invite you to uh, check out the website, TalkingAnimals.net, for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast. Apple Podcasts are available there, too, as well as other podcast platforms. Also, links to our Facebook page and other social media. And uh, all that's found at TalkingAnimals.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to find out about our guests a couple of days beforehand, etc. It's TalkingAnimals.net. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. This is Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, Largo, Wiki, Watch, and Beyond. Scott Elliott's up momentarily after NPR News headlines. Thanks.